Chapter 4 of Stories of the Wars of the Jews by Charlotte Maria Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. Chapter 4 The Jews under Nehemiah. Nehemiah's Petition, Building the Wall, Reading of the Scriptures, Nehemiah Reforms Abuses. Many years had passed since the events recorded in the last chapter had taken place. Ahasuerus was dead, and Artaxerxes his son reigned on the throne of Persia. Ezra had for about ten years been pursuing his labours at Jerusalem, when the Lord raised up another leader for his people in the court of Shushan. Nehemiah, one of the Jewish exiles, held the responsible office of cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. He was a devout servant of God and an earnest and devoted patriot. Amidst the splendours of a royal palace, his thoughts recurred often to his suffering brethren at Jerusalem, and ardently did he desire the prosperity of the city of David. These feelings were kindled into a warmer glow by the report which Nehemiah received from some of his countrymen who had returned from Judea. From them he heard that the remnant of the people that were left in Zion were in great affliction and reproach, that the wall of Jerusalem lay in ruins, that its gates had been burned with fire, and from their brethren beyond the Euphrates was urgently needed by the Jews in the city. This aid Nehemiah was anxious to give, but felt apprehensive of difficulties in the way. Not the difficulty of quitting the pleasures and luxuries of the magnificent palace, in which he held so honourable a place, but that of obtaining the consent of his royal master to his departure for the land of Judea. It is said that the nearest way to reach any heart is through heaven. Such had been the experience of Esther, such now was the experience of Nehemiah. Fervently and humbly he entreated the Lord to give him favour in the sight of the king. The anxiety which oppressed the noble Jew expressed itself in his countenance when in accordance with his office he placed the wine-cup in the hand of Artaxerxes. The king noticed his servant's look of depression and inquired its cause. Let the king live for ever, replied Nehemiah. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then said the king to him, For what dost thou make request? Nehemiah silently lifted up his heart in prayer, ere he made his reply to the monarch. If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favour in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Artaxerxes received the petition with favour. He not only permitted the departure of Nehemiah, but provided for him an escort and gave him letters to the officers of government on the other side of the Euphrates, 457 BC. It is from the year in which the Persian monarch issued his decree, permitting the rebuilding of Jerusalem, that is dated the commencement of the weeks of prophetic years, at the close of which the Lord Jesus was crucified. Daniel 9 verse 25 Nehemiah soon found on his arrival at Jerusalem that his position there would be one of great difficulty, requiring both judgment and courage. The enemies of the Jews, especially Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, were possessed of power, 
cunning and the most determined resolution to prevent the rebuilding of the ruined wall. It was in the stillness of night that a single horseman, accompanied by a few attendants on foot, passed out through the gate of the valley. Thoughtfully he rode on where in ancient and happier times the bulwarks of Jerusalem had stood. He gazed sorrowfully on the blackened ruins over which the Assyrian conquerors had passed. But it was not to mourn an unavailing woe over the desolation of his country that Nehemiah made that midnight survey. That which was ruined he resolved to repair, and, with the blessing of God, to encircle the city once more with a protecting wall. By his words, and yet more by his example, Nehemiah animated his countrymen to exertion. The circuit of Jerusalem was portioned out to the most zealous of the people, and each in his own division set heartily to work. In vain Sanballat and Tobiah tried to discourage the builders by representing their patriotic efforts as rebellion against Persia. In vain, time after time they endeavoured to entice Nehemiah into a village that they might deprive the Jews of him, who was the life and soul of their undertaking. I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down, was Nehemiah's answer to their insidious proposals. A yet deeper snare was laid. Nehemiah was warned of a plot to assassinate him, and was urged to fly to the temple. But again, the brave leader's self-devotion defeated the schemes of his enemies. Should such a man as I flee, he exclaimed, and who is he that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? The adversaries tried the effect of mockery and scorn. As they viewed the unceasing labours of the builders, will they, cried Sambalat, revive the stones out of the rubbish that is burned? If a fox come up, rejoined the insolent Tobiah, he shall even break down their stone wall. But notwithstanding this hatred and scorn, the wall rose higher and higher. Then the bitter adversaries of the Jews resolved to use weapons more formidable than words and conspired to attack the builders. The peril was great, but Nehemiah and his followers were equal to the occasion. A watch was kept both by night and by day. They that builded the wall, they that bear burdens, each with one hand wrought in the work, and with the other grasped a weapon for defence. Nehemiah, ever on the watch against the foe, changed not his garments, but lay down night after night in his daily attire, prepared to start up at the first sound of danger. He kept a trumpeter at his side, and said to the nobles and the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated one far from another. In what place, therefore, that ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us? Our God shall fight for us. By the indefatigable exertions of these devoted men, in the short space of fifty-two days the wall was completed. The enemies were cast down and discouraged, for they perceived that this work was of God. And so, in the midst of a world that despises and hates them, God's people, through all generations, pursue the work that is given them to do. With one hand, as it were, armed to fight against besetting sins and inward corruptions, the other busily engaged in works of piety and love. He that will not fight is unworthy to labour. He that will not labour is unprepared to fight. It is they who, through faith, conquer sin and self that are found most zealous in every good work.
The liberality of Nehemiah was equal to his activity and courage. With free hospitality, he daily entertained at his own table a hundred and fifty of the Jews. This and other expenses Nehemiah defrayed from his own purse, refusing to draw from the people even the allowances due to his office. This generous conduct strengthened his influence and enabled him with more boldness to denounce and crush a hateful system of usury which prevailed at this time amongst the richer Jews, who took advantage of the wants of their brethren to take from them their lands and even their freedom. Nehemiah induced his countrymen to enter into a solemn covenant with the Lord, a covenant to obey all the law, to refrain from marriages with the heathen, to bring due offerings to the temple, and to keep the Sabbath holy. A reverence was shown for the scriptures, which was one of the most encouraging signs of reviving religion. A pulpit of wood was erected in one of the streets of Jerusalem, and from this, from morning till noonday, Ezra the priest read aloud from the book of the law of Moses. The multitude of listeners was immense. All the people gathered themselves together as one man to hearken to the word of the Lord. When Ezra opened the book in the sight of this vast crowd, all reverently stood up to listen. When he blessed the Lord, the great God, a loud fervent Amen burst from the dense mass of the people. Thousands of hands were lifted up towards heaven, and then the multitudes of Judah bowed their heads and worshipped with their faces to the ground. After some time spent in labours for his country, Nehemiah returned to the court of Persia, having received only leave of temporary absence. But the disorders which again crept in amongst the backsliding Jews necessitated a second journey to Jerusalem, 434 BC. Notwithstanding the strict law which forbade the entrance of Ammonites and other heathens into the temple, the high priest Eliashib, being allied to Tobiah, had actually prepared for him a chamber in the courts of the house of the Lord. The Sabbath was by many disregarded. The wine press was trodden, burdens carried, and merchandise sold on the day that was holy to God. The Levites were neglected, their dues were unpaid, and again some of the Jews had fallen into the grievous sin of intermarrying with idolaters. Nehemiah suppressed these disorders with a firm and judicious hand, strengthening himself by prayer and supported in all his difficulties and labours by the conscientiousness of the presence of that almighty being whom he was humbly endeavouring to serve. Contemporaneous Events Decemvirs banished from Rome, 449 BC. Battering ram invented, 441 BC. End of chapter 4